0: In fact, I went through my 30 years where the computer files, and I have never preached on 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. I was shocked by that. In fact, as I go through the Bible, I'm often shocked that I haven't at least preached on something once or twice. And so it surprised me, because this meant a lot to me as a young man. And you're first saved as a young man, and we have numbers of young men in this church who love Jesus and are living for him. We have a a bunch of them, and I appreciate the millennials at Gospel Baptist Church that want to live for God. I know when I was a millennial, I mean when I was in my 20s, that people, the old-timers would come to me and say, Son, you're in the future. You're in the future. And I say, We're in trouble, brother. We're in trouble. he said, You're in the future. Well, now I'm I'm History. And so, I'm telling you young guys, you're the future, you're the future, yeah, and all of you in between there and me and past me, we're still here, we're still slugging it out with the devil. What kind of life does God want for me? That was the question I had as a young man, probably 18, 19, 20 is when I went through a lot of this. What kind of of a life does God want for me? I got right with God when I was 18 years old, before that I was uh, wicked and vile and trying to do everything I could for pleasure and for self and for sin. And so when God really dealt with me and I got right with Him at 18 years old at 2003 Cassopolis Street in Elkhart, Indiana at about 10 o'clock at night, God dealt with me and I said, I'm yours. I'm yours. Gave my life to Him. You call that dedication, you call that rededication, you call it what consecration, call it what you want. It's when people get real serious with God and say, Really, whatever potential I may have, I'm gonna give it to you. It's yours. Now, what kind of and so I began to ask, what kind of life does God want for me? What would be normal or average for a believer? What is a normal believer's life or an average believer's life? I wrestled with this, I struggled with. Well, what kind of a life that god wanted me to have i i i should i have a warrior's life should i have a, a should i be a combatant for god should i be combating as a born-again christian should i have a soldier's life should i have an activist life should I be an aggressive public persuader should I be, as a Christian, should I be a rabble rouser for God? A controversial life? A life of battling. What kind of life does Christ want for you? It's a good question. And then I ran across this text and a few other texts I'm going to share with you this morning that the Holy Spirit literally nailed me on. Take it, the first one will be First Timothy chapter 2, as I gave indication, but we're going to read verse 1 through 3. First Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 3. I want you this week to be in special prayer for our county government and our governor of Florida. Collier County made, last week, made an uh, ordinance that you have to wear masks inside a church. Everybody in here would have to have a mask on according to Collier County ordinance. That makes a lot of lawbreakers of law-abiding people, doesn't it? You know, I read a book one time, a commentary in the 1800s, where it says, because this is in the 1800s. This guy was complaining because of the proliferation of laws, 1800s. Because of the proliferation of laws that you are making a lot of law-abiding people lawbreakers. We have too many laws. Laws never go away. They just get added. Imagine how many more laws there are since the 1800s. He was a commentator. He was a Christian man since he wrote that in the late 1800s to today, how many more laws I'm under as an individual. Very, very interesting. We're going to give you something on the internet real soon, and we're going to either give it to you on the internet or in print, of when do we disobey the government. When does it come time for a born-again Christian to disobey the government? That's not today, But this is a, it'll be a, it's a very, very, it's already done. It's a very thorough work. Uh, It's already been done on both the Bible's teaching on it and our recent history of the United States of America, our forefathers. So hopefully it'll help us to be able to make that decision. So I'm back now. So verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Our governor, our local county commissioners, uh, you know, the state, local, federal, our president, there's nothing wrong for a church, a pastor getting up in a service and saying, pray for our officials, pray for Trump, pray for Pence. That's biblical as you can be. Right there is a justification and in other, some other places also. But it's, it's biblical. Politics changes the way we practice our religion. Don't you tell me two things I don't talk about, politics and religion. Don't you tell me that. That's heresy. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Because too many years, too many people that were born again Christians got out of politics. And now we got a bunch of harebrained crazies up in those positions. Excuse my language. For kings and for all, for kings. People say, you know, we Americans, we're big into democracy, but uh, the Bible's really into kings. I know that rubs us the wrong way, doesn't it? The Bible's more into. Kings, like King Jesus, for kings and for all that are in authority. Why? And here's the, here's the here's the here's the here's it right here. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. In other words, this is the goal. Timothy was, uh, the book of Timothy, written by Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the young Timothy. Now, Timothy very likely was in early, late 30s, early 40s. He had been raised uh, by uh, uh, Christians in the faith, from ear- knew the Scripture from a child. And, and Paul was helping him to, to continue on in the faith, and he wrote the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to him under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So really, the Holy Spirit wrote it, but wrote through those people and wrote it for us. He says, we should have a target or a goal in life that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And that was different than what I envisioned in my 20s. And so what was sticking in my mind when I was in my early Christian experience was passages like 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life, wherein thou art called, and it profess a good profession for many witnesses. I was thinking more of being a fighter. that I wanted my life to be aggressively as a fighter because the Bible said fight the good fight of faith. Or Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 where it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I was thinking more of a combatant in a wrestling match would be more of my life. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Again, a combative type uh, of a life. A life, uh, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Now, there's a war going on there, and these are contrary one to another, so you cannot do the things you would. So, I sensed in my spirit this war, this conflict going on. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, We're troubled on every side. That's Paul talking. But yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And so you can understand from these kinds of words and phrases I kind of get the idea that we're going to have a life, or I'm going to have a life, or was going to have a life of, of a massive struggle and a continued conflict, and there for sure wasn't going to be a whole lot of peace and quiet, right? But in the big picture, the Bible says we need to pray for a life over all, that is characterized by peace and quiet, quiet. Even through these conflicts and the skirmishes that we have, we're still to have an overall sense of peace and quiet. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Paul says to the church there in Thessalonica that she studied to be quiet. Hello? Now, as a young man, I, I, as an aggressive young man with a lot of uh, testosterone and wanting to fight, I love the passages where it talked about fighting and wrestling and conflict, and those appealed to me. This did not appeal to me much. It appeals to me now that she study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with manual labor. You work with your own hands as we commanded you. <laughs> I knew you'd like that, Car. Manual labor. Today's look down at, oh, you're going to be a plumber. Ugh. Oh, you're going to be an electrician. Ugh, you poor soul. Oh, you're going to be in the construction industry and have to, you know, do blocks and mix cement or mud, as they call it, and build. Oh, you poor soul. I guess you just weren't smart enough to get a good job. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the book says. And that's got me. That's the kind of stuff that grabbed me. What in the world is this? To study, to be quiet, mind your own business, work with your hands, manual labor. I like to. I like to word it kind of like this: Shut up, mind your own business, and work with your hands. That's kind of where I like to watch. In the day of social media, do you understand the impact of what he's talking about? Part of the reason for this is we have a responsibility with every word we speak. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, 37 says it this way. But I say unto you, Jesus' words, that every idle word, that a man shall speak, they shall give an account of in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be judged. How are you going to be judged? A question. Good question. right? How am I going to be judged? Bingo. By your words. Part of it is going to be your words. And by your words, you should. He says, by your words, you'll be justified. and By your words, you'll be condemned. Now, when I read that years ago, I got to thinking. I I I always take. I kind of took that negatively, like I'm going to be judged for every idle word. I'm in trouble, but it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is telling us. That every idle word you speak, in other words, basically everything you say someday, you're going to see it again. So, that means that I can say a lot of good things, and I'll see them again. Hello. That means that I can just start saying a whole bunch of good things. I mean, righteous things and honest things and pure things and things that are acceptable and things that God is pleased with. And I'm going to see that again. It don't always have to be, you know, the gossip that you're going to see again or the criticism of your neighbor, the criticism of each other, which you are going to see that again. But it, it can be the good things. Fill your world up with good conversation, with things that build up by the grace of God rather than tear down. Now, there's times that you have to tear down. You know, obviously, if somebody commits a wicked sin, you have to call it for what it is. You have to call it out. It's wrong. It's wicked. God says it's wicked, and he condemns it, and I renounce it. It's wrong. That's constructive criticism. Boy, that got me. So if you study to be quiet, you'll watch your words, won't you? And you'll have less sins, or I say less embarrassment to face down the road. You'll not be reckless with your words. And when in doubt, probably best to be quiet. The idea is when you get Gabby, Involved with other people's affairs, are idle and not working, you will be prone to stir up trouble. We have some amens on that. You're going to get in trouble. It's the opposite of peace and quiet. You hurt more than you help, and you'll begin to damage the cause of Christ. Just because you hear something does not mean you need to repeat it. The very nature of the Holy Spirit is that He is peaceable. Look in the book of James. The book of James, chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. But The wisdom that is from above is first, what? Say the word. Pure. I believe there's... There's such a thing as syntax in language. In other words, that's order of words. Order of words means something. These, This order of words here is a divinely inspired order. The order of words here. Wisdom that is from above is pure. But look at the second thing that is mentioned. Peaceable. Peaceable. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the rabble-rousers. Blessed are the fighters. Blessed are the troublesome folks. Blessed are those who pass on news they shouldn't be bothered. No, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Now, trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I am not by nature a peacemaker. I'm a fighter. I'm a soldier. I'm a warrior. But when I look at these passages, I have to balance that off with this part. I'm I'm supposed to fight the good fight of faith. I'm supposed to wrestle. I'm supposed to run. I'm supposed to combat evil. I'm supposed to stand up against it. But I'm also supposed to be, generally speaking, a peaceable man. How am I going to get that? How are you going to get it? The Holy Spirit of God is going to have to give it to you. You're not going to get it. Because trust me, it is not from this planet, it's from above. What's it say? From above. As from heaven. Uh, By nature, we're the opposite of pure. We're the opposite of peaceable. We're the opposite of gentle. We're the opposite of easy to be entreated. We're the opposite of full of mercy. We're the opposite of good fruits. We're the opposite of no partiality or without partiality. And we're the opposite. Of no hypocrisy or without hypocrisy, that's the passage. Look at it: pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. There it is. A double. That's that's the punch in the right. That's a left, right, left, right. He said that the fruit of the spirit, of course, is love, joy. You got that memory verse now? Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. In the nine fruit of the Spirit mentioned in the Bible, it's in three groups of three. Love, joy, peace, no suffering, jealous, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. But you have the first three, second three, and the third three. Isn't that interesting, the Trinity? The triunity of God, three, three, three. It's even three threes. There's a lot of that in the Bible. So the fruit of the Spirit, in the first group, love, joy, peace. If you don't have peace, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. Search yourself. You got peace this morning. Oh, preacher, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, yeah, there's no peace there. Wink. There's no peace in the local news. I quit watching the local news many, many years ago because when I turned it on after a hard day's work, I'd come home and kind of want to find out what was going on. All I heard was so so-and-so so-and-so, and so murdered so and so, and so and so shot so and so, and so and so robbed so and so, and so and so did. And I'm thinking, whoo. <laughs> Give me some give me something to lift me up. I quit watching local news many, many years ago. And now I just hit it for about five minutes to see if it's still the same. Boom. It's the same. I really try to get the weather. I want to see which hurricane is going to hit us next, you know. I love hurricane season. I really do. This is beautiful down here, but I'm supposed to be a man of peace. Now, don't you ever equate peace with weakness because that's what people want to do. They want to say peaceable people are basically weak people, but trust me, some of the most vicious, no, not wrong word, some of the strongest. Toughest people you never want to get in combat with are peaceable people. You ever heard of the gentle giant? Did you all go to school, high school, with guys that we call the gentle giant. I went to high school at three thousand, so my graduating class was a thousand, and we had three or four of these farm boys, farm boys that were used to them, you know, them big old bales. They're throwing them up at the top of the deal, and these old farm boys they didn't lift weights. They worked, and they were like maybe six, you know, six two, six three, maybe two hundred and twenty-five pounds, maybe up to two forty, and they wouldn't hurt. They wouldn't hurt a flea. They were gentle young men. They were they were polite. They've been taught by their moms and dads to respect other people. They uh they kind of mind. They really kind of were to themselves, and kind of they would just mind their own business. uh, Do what the Bible says. There, work with their hands. Peaceable people, quiet type folks. Once in a while, one of our young people, one of our young tough fighters in school—you always got them—would want to pick a fight with one of them boys for some reason. Don't know why, but they just thought, you know, I'm gonna whip that kid, and they would make fun of his the fact that he was on a farm and da da da, all this other stuff. And and man, I would see them go day in, day out, week in, week out, making fun of that old that farm boy, and I'm thinking to myself, you don't want to get him mad. You don't want to do that because he's a peaceable man. It took a lot to get him pushed over. But finally, that kid would just push, and he pushed your boy over the edge. Where Because I'm going to warn you about something. Don't you push peaceable people into war. Because when you push peaceable people into war, they're going to give you a lot more than you want. That's what happened to America in World War II. We didn't want war. We didn't want anything about war. We tried to stay out of the war. We let Europe fight their own war. It didn't even help them much. Until Japan finally couldn't stand it. And they bombed Pearl Harbor. And when they bombed Pearl Harbor, they finally took the mostly farm boys, farm people, rural people, and they pushed them into a place of fighting. And they got more than they wanted. And I'm not saying... Being peaceable is being weak at all. That old farm boy back in school, uh, he whipped the snot out of that kid. I mean, he beat him to a pulp. They had to take him to the hospital. They had to take that boy that fought him to the hospital after he got done with him. And they had to pull that farm boy off him because I think he was going to kill him. And he really didn't want to do it. He didn't want to have anything to do, and that's the way a born again Christian is. Also, we don't want we don't want to we don't want to go to war. We don't want to go to war with. We want to be peaceable. We want to live a, a life of, of a quiet, peaceable life. Uh, we just want to tell people about Jesus and tell them they can have their sins forgiven and all the, all the sins they've ever done washed under the blood of Christ have a place in heaven. Uh, uh, Christ uh, will make them a mansion, put their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. We want to preach the Bible and truth and knowledge. As things to lift people up, 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 up. But what's going on today is they're trying to push us into war. Trying to push us into war. And we will be pushed. Because it's going to take a lot to push us to the place of fighting. Because we're commanded to be quiet and peaceable. And the fruit of the Spirit is peaceable. You remember when Jesus went into the temple and he saw all the money changers in there. Now, Jesus was the Prince of Peace, amen? He's called the Prince of Peace. Nobody could say, Jesus, what he did there in the temple was wrong. Nobody as has a right or could have the right to accuse Jesus of losing his temper. He did not lose his temper. He decided he had enough. That's what happens with a peaceable person. They get pushed and get pushed and they get pushed and they get pushed and they get pushed, they get pushed, pushed. Man, they try everything not to go to war. They try everything. But Jesus went to the temple that day and he saw them ripping people off for their offerings, tripling the price, quadrupling the price for the lambs that were just sold out out in the street. They quadrupled the price so that they could get rich off of these people that were bringing their offerings in to have them sacrifice. And he had enough. Before he went in, how I know he didn't lose his temper, because when he went in, he made that cord he made, he made before he went in. So it was a planned thing, right? Well, God makes sense. And he went in there, and the Bible says he kicked. The table's over. That was that was violence. Yeah, it was. It was. When you push a peaceable person into war, you don't want to do it. We want to be people who sow in peace and make in peace. Our brothers, our brothers, your brothers and my brothers in California right now, are lawbreakers. They're lawbreakers. They passed a law out there that you've got to wear a mask inside. In fact, you cannot have services in a church. I believe that's the way it is. You cannot sing in California. You cannot sing in a church. I am communicating with uh, Paul Chapel, Jack Treber, some of those others that are out there, John MacArthur, some other folks in California. Uh, as I read their materials, as they're coming out, what they're preparing to do is to go to war. But we don't want to. We don't want to go to war. But they're forcing our brothers and sisters in different places in the United States of America to go to war. We want to pray for them. We're supposed to remember what the first verse was in to pray for everybody. Pray for all men. Pray for your kings and those in authority. We don't have to do that. Why? We're supposed to be peaceable. But don't push a peaceful man into war. You won't like what you get. I'm a fighter by nature, a soldier, a scrapper, a confrontational person against evil. That all may be true, but when that happens, don't get mean, don't get nasty, don't get grumpy. Don't get edgy. Don't get grouchy. Don't let the battle harden you in your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit keep you pure, keep you tender, keep you peaceable, keep you quiet, keep you sweet. But be by the grace of God a gentle giant for God. And this is what God wants for us all. How should we live? that we live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. The Lord give us wisdom in the days ahead as this thing begins to play its way out. God is testing his people. If judgment begins at the house of God, and it first must begin at the house of God, Where will the ungodly and sinner, where are they going to appear? I want want to pass this thing. What about you? I want to pass this test. I want to be an exemplary Christian. But I need help because I'm not a good Christian normally. I'm not a good Christian naturally. I don't want to be a good Christian supernaturally. And we need the supernatural power of God in this moment of testing to shine as his people doing the right thing. Don't you get nasty. Don't get mean-spirited. Don't get bitter. Don't let this make you bitter. My suggestion is don't watch the news, but I know you will. Don't get bitter. Don't take up somebody else's fight. They gotta fight, they gotta fight it, we gotta fight, we gotta fight, but don't be taking up everybody else's cause. And by the grace of God, he's gonna help us to live that quiet and peaceable life. May the Lord Jesus, I want to thank him for all these years of quiet and peace. And I want to ask him this morning, God have mercy upon us and give us us the ability to understand your will and do what you would like us to do in this moment. If you have to go to war, you got to go to war. But you sure don't want to unless you have to. Father, thank you for the few minutes we have together this morning. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-947. 1285 thank you and god bless